The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. I want to share just a story to kind of set the table on, on kind of what we're going to discuss. I've been in Lumberton uh, six and a half years. I'm originally from Wilkes County up towards Boone that way, and this is my first lead pastorate down there. I came into the ministry kind of late in life. Um, so three, about three and a half years in, uh, God just kind of pressed it on our heart to, to really begin praying. And we, we decided to spend a whole summer praying. We spent 11 Sunday nights. We don't have a, a Sunday evening service, so we took the Sunday evenings and just called our church to a time of prayer. And we, we went into it with um, the, the intention of wanting God to help us connect with our community. Uh, we, we were reaching people, but, and I'll get to some of the issues we were having that, that really God began to press on my heart that we needed to do differently. And so we began to just pray. And, and there was two things that the prayer times kind of cycled around. Number one, help us to know who our community is because our community has changed a lot in the last 10 or 15 years. And secondly, how can we reach them? Basically, Lord, open our eyes to the mission field in our own backyard. So we were spending every Sunday night, and you know how prayer meetings are. It can be anywhere from three to four. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> you thought I was going to say some big number, didn't you? Uh, no, they, they, you know, 20, 30, every night. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to me if two showed up. It didn't matter. We're going to pray. And uh, so we spent the whole summer praying. And then right about the 10th Sunday night, uh, we started hearing in the news that there is a hurricane churning off the East Coast called Hurricane Matthew. And I don't know if you remember all the... Every time they project these storms, it looks like spaghetti, right? The reality is they don't know where this thing's going, okay? And I've kind of come to the place where I don't pay much attention to it until about 24 hours out. So they finally come down, oh, Lumberton's going to be spared, no big deal. Well, that thing came straight in. And then when it came straight in, it just kind of stopped right over top of us and did this. For hours and hours and hours, and uh, Lumberton saw the biggest flood they've seen in over 135 years. We got 22 inches of rain. Half my congregation lost everything. Everything. Lost their homes, picture manuals, everything you would think is precious is all gone. So here we are thrust into now disaster relief. Lumberton became an island. I-95 was shut down. You could not get in, you couldn't get out, and we're, we're locked off from the rest of the world. And Richard Brunson calls me up and says, man, we would love to set up disaster relief on your site because you're right in the middle of the city. I said, sure. Now, I, I had no idea what I was saying yes to, okay? Now, I had done mud outs and stuff like that, but I had no idea. They come rolling in there with a, with a kitchen on wheels, tractor and trailer loads of food, and the water system in our city had been compromised, so there was no fresh water. For five weeks, no fresh water for five weeks. So we became like this this lot house, and we were feeding with Baptist men and their help and their teams. We were feeding twelve thousand meals a day, and we did that for weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't even know how long it was. So we're right in the middle of this, and it's just chaos. I mean, it's organized mass chaos. So we got a laundry unit, a shower unit, the feeding unit. We got teams doing mud outs. There's people sleeping in the building in every closet in every corner. And I'm out there on the feeding line one day, and one of my, one of my members comes up to me. Her name is Vanessa. And she comes up to me just ha- by happenstance. She comes by and she says, Pastor, God answered our prayer. 
I had no idea what she was talking about. And I'm supposed to know what she's talking about. I have no idea what she's talking about. I said, but that's what you mean. She said, Pastor, we spent the whole summer praying that God would open a door for us to get to know our community and be able to reach them. And she didn't say another word. She went. So I'm feeling a little ignorant at that point, right? And I said, Vanessa, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. God answered in a way that we had no idea he was going to answer. Um, 23 months later, he answers that prayer again with Hurricane Florence. The same people that were flooded out with Matthew were flooded out again. Some of them had only been back in their house three months from Matthew. So through both of those experiences, and we were disaster release side again, through both those experiences, there's a couple things we learned. Number one, there are two groups of people in our city. The smaller group is um, 40, 50 up age bracket. 50, 45 up, I'd say. Um, they know all about a gospel, but not the gospel. The gospel they've heard is a works-based gospel. So getting baptized, being a member of a church, they're cultural Christians. They, some of the folks I've interacted with have been baptized six, eight, nine times, and they still have no assurance of their salvation. They've been put under the water so much at the local creek, the fish know them by name. I mean, that's how many times they've been baptized. And they still have no assurance. So that's one group, but that's a small group. The other group, the median age in our city is 34. Uh, we have a lot of kids, a lot of single moms within the city of Lumberton. Now that group of people has absolutely no idea what goes on in our building on any given Sunday. They have no idea about Jesus. The most they can tell you about Jesus is uh, he has something to do with Easter and something to do with Christmas. That's about it. They do not know John three sixteen. I was uh, talking with a guy... It's probably been six, eight months ago I was building a relationship with. And I love the story, you know, creation, fall, rescue, restoration. So I'm, I'm talking about Adam and Eve, right? I'm talking about Adam and Eve and how the fall went down and all that stuff. And I, you know, I move right on into the next start because I'm wanting to get to Jesus in, in, my, in my discussion with him. And I'm probably 10 minutes in. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. And he says, hey, uh, who's Adam? He had no idea who Adam and Eve was. Not at all. I assumed that he did. So through those experiences, I realized that we didn't know our community as much as we thought we did. I want to show you a, a graphic here. Now, I, I got this I got this uh, a couple months ago. I, I, I get to serve on the board with the convention, and uh, Dr. Ronnie Floyd uh, had sent these to the board and give us these. And this is only a portion of the graph. I could show you one that goes all the way back to 1971. But what this is, is that's 2000, that's 2018, if you can't see it at the back. This is baptisms across the entire SBC for ages 12 through 17. Uh, notice the decline, especially here, 16 to 18. Notice that steep drop. So looking at this, if you look at the ages, if you look at ages 29 and up, you're going to see the same trend, a little bit less startling, but the trend is still the same. So here's what I tell my folks all the time. In the last 25 years, I could probably go back further, but there are more lost people living on my street, on your street, and all the streets that are represented by the folks in my church. There are more lost people living on that street right now than there ever has been, at least in the last 25 years, probably longer. Simply the statistics tell us that, by far, that there are more lost people around us than there have ever been. And we, so we have all kinds of opportunities. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to do an unofficial poll here because I couldn't find any statistics on it. So another burden that the Lord began to kind of put on my heart through this process is, is that 
the baptisms that we were seeing in our church were the result of a staff person or a ministry leader. So myself, one of my associate pastors, my children's ministry director, their involvement, direct involvement in sharing the gospel, helping the person understand that, and walking with them in the discipleship journey. Now let me ask you, so, so for us, if I, if I went back five years, I would say, I'd say 90% of our baptisms are the result of staff or ministry leader. What about you? Is, is there any, let me ask this, is there anybody in the room where your church, 50% of your baptisms are the result of your lay people engaging in evangelism, sharing the gospel, seeing that person come to faith? Is anybody 50%? Anybody somewhere closer to 90%? Is that a problem? That's a huge problem. Because with this next slide, and I'm sure... Uh, uh, Mr. Hollyfield shared this probably out front. I didn't get to be in the meeting, but he, he talks about this a lot. There are 5.8 million people in North Carolina that are, that are lost, that need Jesus. 5.8 million? Can we just all agree that there is no way you're going to hire enough staff to make a, even a dent in that, even scratch the surface on this? So if, 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 I, if my people in my church do not take personal ownership of the Great Commission, you're going to see that number get much worse. North Carolina is projected to grow in population. Right now we're about 10.5 million. We're projected to grow at the 10th fastest state in the entire nation. In other words, we are number 10 on growth of population in the next 5 to 10 years. So that number is going to go up. And not only that, but God is bringing the nations to our doorstep. I had, uh, I had two Pakistani college students in my service a few weeks ago, and uh, they're practicing Muslims. And we've got a lot of Muslims in our community now. So if if we're going to make this impact, we've got to get it out of the professional realm. We have to. We've got to empower people. Of course, that goes back to discipleship. But the tool we're going to talk about is going to, it's just, it's just that. It's a tool to help facilitate this. My my region is region three. Um, so in Region 3, there is about 1.1 million people in, these, in this area right here. And if you look up this list here, Robinson County, is, is, that's my county right there, 68% non-evangelical. There is not a single county in Region 3 that is less than 50%. I think we can all say that <laughs> there are plenty of lost people to be reaching. And, and the, the other thing, too, is... Um, we often, and I've done it, uh, the fear that keeps us silent. Oh, the person's going to get mad. Oh, the person's going to get upset. Oh, it's going to be some huge response. 90% of the time, it's not. Now, if you were living in Brooklyn, Vermont, Maine, yeah, maybe it will be a little higher. But what I'm finding is your people are willing to talk about it. So we're believing a lie that they're going to lash out at us. They're going to you know, knock us in the head. no. If we, if we come at it the right way with love and compassion, I'm finding people are more than willing to hear us out. So let's um, talk about it. So this is kind of like the next step of the story here. So I, I, I was preaching a series through First uh, and Second Thessalonians. So Paul, Paul leaves Philippi. If you remember what happens in Philippi, he, he gets beat terribly, thrown in jail. He, he gets out. He, he makes his way to Thessalonica. He's in Thessalonica a very short period of time. 
Now, he goes in three, three Sabbaths. He's in the synagogue teaching and preaching the gospel to the Jews. The response in Thess- Thessalonica is not all that great. It's not like some kind of huge campaign where, you know, it's this mighty move. It's not, but people do respond. Now, historians tell us, and from what I can tell, he was in that area probably around five weeks, okay? And then because of persecution, pain, and people just wanting him out of town, they kick him out, and he heads on to Berea. Now, within the next year, Paul does two things. He sends Timothy back to Thessalonica, and he writes a letter to Thessalonica. Now, in that opening letter, he says this, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. The church at Thessalonica it was a port city. Thousands of people are passing through, very diverse area. So Paul obviously saw it as a strategic location for a, for a church to, to get established, but he didn't have much time there, not much time at all. So he, he heads on on his other missionary journeys. He's out traveling all the way down into Corinth and all around, eventually starts that third missionary journey. But in that time frame, he's out there and he's sharing the gospel as he goes, right? So he says, You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, that sounded forth means to trumpet, Trumpet. They are not ashamed of the gospel. Anybody they can connect with and tell about Jesus, they're doing it. From you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. That's, that's an interesting statement. So imagine, Paul's out on his missionary journeys. He's traveling all over the place and he runs into somebody and says, hey, let, let me, uh, let's talk about something very important. He starts engaging. He's, oh, and the person that you're talking to says, oh, wait a minute. You're talking about Jesus Christ, right? The Messiah the one who resurrected from the dead. Yeah, yeah, I heard about him in Thessalonica. And then he goes to another area and he starts ringing up a conversation, maybe a group of people. And there's a group of oh yeah, 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 we've already heard about Jesus. We heard about him where? Thessalonica. This church that was impoverished, uh, we find out that uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 where Paul is petitioning the church at Corinth to give to the famine and the hurting church in Jerusalem, he brings up Thessalonica. And he says they have given far beyond anything anyone would have ever imagined because they're being persecuted and they're impoverished, but yet they gave incredibly. So this church has not got it easy. They're trumpeting forth the gospel, and Paul is running into people on his missionary journeys that keep talking about Thessalonica. And I think that's why Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to make sure that church stays healthy. He encourages his church. You know, there were some misconceptions about when Jesus was going to return. He tries to clear all that up. But ultimately, these opening verses, man, he's just like, you guys are getting it done. And they're getting it done without Paul being there. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to get to a point in my community where I met um, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and the waitress maybe is serving us. I mean, I'll tell you what, let's go to Golden Corral. Let's switch to Golden Corral. You'll know why in just a minute. So I'm a golden crown, and the lady's serving me, and, and you know, I ask her, how can I pray for you? That's a good way to, to start a conversation. How can I pray for you? And maybe she shares something about her family or her marriage, and, and I'll go, great, let me tell you, you know, now that we're talking, uh, you know, what do you know about Christ? And her face lights up, because, oh, I just accepted Christ. There was somebody at a church named uh, Hyde Park that was in here the other day. They shared the gospel with me, and I accepted. That would thrill my soul. Now repeat that like 8 or 10 or 12 times. Gas station, Lowe's Hardware. 
In other words, I'm having a hard time finding people to share the gospel with because my people are sharing the gospel so effectively that either they've already heard or they've heard and accepted. Now that may sound like crazy talk because the culture we're living in now in our church environment is what? Oh, that's the pastor's job, right? That's the staff's job. We're, you know, we're, we're fine just hearing a good sermon. So how do we move? How do we, how do we get to this place? How can we mobilize Christ followers in our churches to stop making excuses? Now, when I, when I put that in that paragraph, I thought, that sounds a little harsh, you know? But it's the truth. And I'm talking about my career. I can't speak for yours. But mine, um, even all the way into my deacons and my leadership, we're making excuses. At the end of the day, we're making excuses. And how can we stop doing that and become intentional about reaching our community that's right outside our doorstep? I mean, I'm talking the mission field is walking across the yard to that house. That's where the mission field is. You've seen all the statistics, but Southern Baptist down, lowest in 30 years, giving is up, membership, baptism, and church numbers continue to drop. And they're going to continue to drop until our people become engaged and take ownership of the Great Commission and, and, and be discipled themselves and then make disciples. Uh, if you haven't been to the uh, North Carolina Baptist website, go on there and, and there's a tab across the top. I think it's labeled Lostness in North Carolina. Click on that. It'll take you to a site called the Pockets of Lostness, right? This will, this will, this will blow your mind and you need to show your people this. So I'm looking at this. It's been a couple of years ago. I'm looking at this, and two miles from my church is the center of a circle, a six-mile, three-mile radius. Two miles from my church is the center of a circle. And within that six-mile circle of that address, two miles from our church, are 6,000 unreached homes. That drove me to my knees. I wept over that. Because we're doing church as normal, man. We're, you know, our worship service, we're, we're doing our thing. When two miles from my church is 6,000 people where the most of them don't even know about Jesus. We got to start feeling the weight of this thing. We really do. These are people. These are people with families who are going to spend eternity in one of two places. And until we feel the weight of it as church leaders, and I'm, I'm assuming all of you are, until we feel the weight of it, your congregation is not going to feel the weight of that. Okay? So those pockets of losses will really open your eyes. Go on there and check that out. So how can we mobilize? Well, that's what we want to talk about. What if you had a tool? And it's just that, a tool. Uh, it's just something that can help stimulate the thinking of your congregants about their engagement in the mission field that is both intentional and relational. And what if every home in North Carolina uh, was adopted by a Christ follower who commits to pray, care, and share the gospel with them. That would be, uh, be pretty amazing. So let's talk about what you came to hear about, and let's bless every home. So this is basically a, a platform, a website, that, that you can utilize. And the first step of it is completely free. Okay, So you, you can go right now to blesseveryhome.com. All you need is an email address. And this is what it'll look like when you, when you pull it up. Now that, that number, that 5600 or yeah, 5,064,858, that was like two days ago. How many prayers have been offered? That'll make sense in just a minute. But you click on that button, sign up, and it's just going to bring up a screen where you put in some very basic information, email address, you set up a password, then you log in, and then you're going to be able to put your address, your street address in. Now what's going to happen after you do that is you're going to get assigned anywhere from 20 to 40 homes, Okay. 
uh, the lowest I've seen is 20. They're, they may go lower depending maybe if you live in a rural area or something, but 20 is the least I've seen. So what happens is you'll get assigned 20 to 40 homes. Now, this guy here is a guy I'm mentoring. He's in my church. And when he signed up, he got assigned 40 homes. Now, those 40 homes, here's what he gets. He gets the name of the people living in that house, the owners, and he gets the address, and he can look on a map and tell where his house is in relation to all the houses that he just adopted. And his first step is to pray by name for every one of those homes that are right around his house. So if you'll notice here, he's already prayed for 39 of those homes. Okay, now that's not just a one-off. Uh, we, we, we teach our people to continue to pray. You can set up up here in, uh, there's a settings up here somewhere where you can set it up to where you'll get an email every day on the names you need to be praying for on that day. Okay? Now this is all free. This, is, this doesn't cost a dime. So then, if you'll notice here, he's already went and shared with three of the 40 or three of the 39 that he's been praying for. What does that mean? Well, that means he's taking the time to be intentional to go to that house, maybe while they're out mowing the yard, or maybe he knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm Nikki. I just live around the corner here, and I've been living here for a while, and I know you've been here for a while, so I'm sorry I hadn't introduced myself. Uh, just want you to know that uh, I'm right here if you ever need anything. And, and also, one other thing, I, I've been praying for you. you know, I, I'm a cross follower, and I've been praying for you by name. And uh, I just want to check in. Is there anything specifically I could be praying for you about? Is Like if God could work a miracle in your life, this is a great opener right here. If God could work a miracle in your life, what would that be? And just ask the question. Thank you and, and head on back. Or, or it's, he notices that it's a senior adult and uh, maybe it's a widow and her yard is getting higher and higher by the day. He just takes his push mower down there and says, hey, I want to mow your yard. Or it's Halloween, and everybody's out in their streets, and he's going to be a little intentional to go out there and meet some of the families around his house that have kids and maybe take the candy to them instead of them coming in. You see what I'm saying? It's just a, a connection point to where we move from prayer to face-to-face. Okay? So he's, he's done that with three. And now notice here, over to Green, he shared the gospel with three. He has had a conversation about Christ with three of those people. I don't know if it's, it's probably the same three or maybe a different three. And then out of those three he shared the gospel with, two have now put their faith in Jesus. And I know this because he's doing a small group in his house that these people are coming to. I didn't do any of that. I had no engagement in that. That's on him. Okay? And now he's following through with engaging. Now don't, this little demographic right here, don't, don't pay any attention to that. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But this little thing right here, when you sign up, if there are other churches in your area that are doing this and they've got lights signed up, it's going to show up right here. All it'll show you is uh, how many other houses have been adopted in your neighborhood. Now, when you go and take the next step and you make this part of your church ministry, which I'll show you next, it gets a little bit more, uh, a little bit more interesting. So let's take a look at that. Well, this is the map. So you can look at it from a map view. So let me back up. Right here, you see that little icon right there? You can click on that. And it'll show you the map. If you click on this, it gives you a list. You can print that list out if you want to. But this is what the map looks like. So this is Nikki's house right here. And then all of these are the houses that he's adopted. And you see, when he, when he prays for a family, he goes in there and he clicks and it changes color. So I can, he can look at that map and say, okay, I've prayed for almost all of them. 
I've shared with a few of them, and you can see where the colors have changed, indicating to him who, who, he's, who he's connecting with. So you can literally see where these houses are. Now, this is important because a lot of my folks go walking their dog in the afternoons or in the mornings, right? Or they're out there jogging or running, getting some exercise. Well, why not take this map, and let's say that you're praying for the Smith family. The Smith family lives right here. And you've been praying for them for a while. And, and since you've been praying for them, you're expecting God to do something, right? If we're praying, we're expecting God to be working in the Smith family. So what we're going to do is we, we want to take an opportunity to join God, join God in what He's doing in the Smith family because we've been praying for the Smith family. So we're going to be walking our dog. And when we turn that corner, we notice that Mr. Smith's out uh, working on his car. Take the next step, walk up to Mr. Smith. Hey, I'm Nikki. I live down the street. Just want to get to know you, say hello, anything I can help you with, right? All with the intention of sharing the gospel. Now let's move to, now that's the free side. Everything I've discussed up to this point is the free part of it, okay? And your church, you could could go take this back to your church, get everybody to sign up with the free thing, and be able to facilitate a lot of this. But there's another step that you might want to consider. For $180 a year, now I would imagine that you guys spent more than $180 for candy for your Harvest Festival, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> candy's not cheap. So $180, bucks, not a big, big expense. Here's what I would recommend. Just take that out of your pastor's travel budget. He'll be fine, okay? No problem. He, he was just going to go to Chick-fil-A a few more times. Just take that out of his budget. He'll be all right. So for $180 or $15 a year, here's what you can do. You can make this a church movement. So what this does, your church signs up as a partner. So when these people go to log in or, or to set up their account, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to lo- use a different link that you're going to provide them. So when you sign up as a church, it's going to give you like blesseveryhome.com, maybe forward slash Hyde Park Baptist Church or First Baptist Charlotte or whatever. And then you're going to publicize that in your, in your bulletins, your Facebook page, your website. So when they click on it, it's automatically going to connect them to your church account. They're going to go in, set up their password, email, all that good stuff. And when they do that, now you have a community that's doing this together. So for mine, I've got 56 people that have signed up to do this. 56 people equates to 1,855 homes that we've adopted. Okay? And this gets me excited. 1,446 homes have been prayed for. 162, 162 homes have had a visit from somebody out of this 56 lights. So in other words, there's been 162 interactions with somebody uh, in our community that has the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And then, if you move on down, the gospel's been... We've only been doing this about eight months. Okay, we, we started this about eight months ago, and it took us a while to get it up and going. So the gospel's been shared by these 56 lights... 76 times, there's been 42 professions of faith that we're now following up with, okay? So all this happened, and all I did was pay 180 bucks and, and, and put it in front of our people, and let me say this, there's some accountability there as well, okay? So I can click on that. I'll show you this in a minute. I'll go live on hours and show you hours, but I can click on that 56 like button up there, and I can see everybody who's signed up. I can send emails to all of them saying, hey, I see you haven't been praying in a while. And I especially do this to my deacons. Because can we all just agree that 
Don't ever expect your congregation to do something you're not willing to do yourself. It doesn't matter if you're a deacon, elder, pastor, staff. Don't ever ask your congregation to do something that they're not going to see you do. So, my deacons, I'm going to go in there and the deacons may not say, hey guys, I just pulled the app up here. I noticed that, uh, first of all, y'all not signed up. That's a problem. Secondly, uh, y'all not praying for these folks that you've been assigned. I think we need to be an example to our congregation, right? So, there's some accountability built in there. Uh, and we can work together to reach our community. So when we talk about the individual map, you can see where all your homes, as a leader or an administrator, I can see where all my lots are on the entire map. So this map doesn't show me all the individual homes unless I zoom in. I, I zoomed out to show you guys. But all these little yellow dots, that's all my people right there. Those 56 lights and where they're located. Now, this is important because... If you notice right up here, I got a cluster right here. I got a little bit of a cluster over here, cluster there, there, and then way out here. Wouldn't it make sense that, that we build teams out of these lights who are already praying and engaging people in their own community? Wouldn't it make sense, say Halloween? You know, Halloween, we, we do the big harvest festival. That's fine, great. But we invite the community to come to our church. I don't know how it is in your community, but, but they come to my church to get candy. And it's like a, I mean, it's like a cattle herd, man. They come in there and we're trying to, we're trying to engage with people, but it's just mass chaos. And we've done some things to try to help that engagement. But here's what I would prefer is next Halloween, we're going to do this. We're going to build teams and those teams are going to engage in their communities on Halloween night rather than telling people to come to our campus. We're not going to do anything on our campus next Halloween. It's going to be a little stressful for a few folks. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. But I'm going to have 56 missionaries, 56 missionaries that have been equipped, trained, and connecting, and already have been connecting for over a year with people that are already in their back door. It just seems to me that we ought to capitalize on that. So with these clusters, I can see where everybody is, and then from that, click on that and see who these people are and say, okay, God, identify maybe a leader out of that, a team leader who could really take the reins of this thing that we could kind of hand off this team to and equip that person and they equip the other. Another thing to consider, um, small group ministry. Uh, we don't have home small groups right now. All of our small groups are on campus. So Sunday school mall, we do two Sunday school sessions on uh, Sunday morning during our two worship services. But we've always wanted to get in the homes. And, and one of the reasons we haven't done that is because we had some problems to fix on campus first, and I didn't want to multiply those problems in houses. So I said, we're going to fix this, and when we know we've got that fixed, then we'll start branching out. But to me, wouldn't it just make sense that these lights who are already out here, who are reaching and connecting, wouldn't that be the best place to have a small group out there among the communities where they're already connecting? So again, we equip our folks to then begin that discipleship journey as they're sharing the gospel, that's the discipleship journey. When they come to faith in Christ, continue that right there in their community. This makes sense to me. Uh, so it, it helps empower them to take responsibility for their own backyard. Okay. Now, I'm going I'm to pause here for just a moment and let you ask some questions. Now, I've got a little bit more. But you ask me some questions. Wait, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? you got all those ones in that big cluster right there. Yep. And they've signed up. Yep. And they've got, let's say... Uh, the one place your church has 40. Mm-hmm. But the guy up there, he has the same 40. 
No. Uh, up, up here, up here where they're clustered tight together, there may be some overlap. Now, when, when you do the church, uh, when you do the church option, when you log in, I think uh, I'll show it to you in a minute. You can actually see who else has lights in your community. Now, this is pretty cool. So let's say, let's say that you and I are signed up. We're, we're together in church. You go to first service. I go to second service. I don't, I've never met you. So when I sign on to be a lot, I see your name down there. I'm like, well, I, I didn't know I had a neighbor that was going to my church. And then you and I, we get to know each other at church, and then we start comparing notes. And maybe we become strategic together about, okay, I'll tell you what, you've got 40, I've got 40. Out of those 40 names, 20 of them are overlapping. i tell you what, let's work on our numbers a little bit, and let's make sure that we're not doubling up. The system doesn't do that. But we can facilitate that across those lights when we do some training. Yep. What else? What if you have, you know, you're doing the church model, and then you have you know, folks that are maybe 20, 30 minutes from your home, and they want to do the individual one to get those folks in their area as well. So I think my question is, if we do the church one, how wide of an area does it cover? Wide is wide. There is no limit on that. So when they sign up, they put their street address in on the church wide. When they kind of yeah, you're, you're basically your map will get much bigger. <laughs> okay, so I've got I've got a few folks that are up in Fayetteville that commute 35 minutes to our church. Their lights and they got assigned homes in their area up there. So yeah, what else? What about when you have apartment complexes? That's where we've had a little bit of an issue. Uh, I had a guy in here previously that while I was talking, he signed up and he lives in a large apartment complex in North Wake. And for him, it worked perfectly. He had, he had the apartment numbers. Now, in my area, it wasn't that accurate. It, what we had to do is kind of manipulate it a little bit. The person, when they put their address in, it gave some funky stuff. So we found like, a, like the building physical address. And when we did that, it worked out. So with apartments, it's been a little bit weird. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, the, uh, I'll show you this in a minute, but they're unveiling a whole new platform of this January 1. And I don't know what that is, but it's going to look a little different. And I'm hoping that some of that buggy stuff they're going to be able to clean up. But yeah, with apartments, it gets a little bit weird. But houses haven't had a single problem. Even if you're, even if you're renting, it makes no difference. It's still a signs. Not a problem. But the names in the houses are not necessarily correct. No, the names are extremely current. The names of the houses that you get assigned, I haven't had a wrong one yet. Renters including. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how that data comes in. I really don't. Yeah, we had some conflict. I, Did you? Yeah. Transient moving in and out. Okay. We live in that house, they don't live there. Okay. You'll run into a few, a few bugs like that. I had one lady who, uh, who put her address in and her house was not existed. Like you know, when you start typing in, it'll come up with a suggestion. You click on it. Her it never came up at all. So when I started zooming in on the map, her house was non-existent at all on the map. So what we did is we went to her neighbor's house, stole their address, and put it in, and then it worked. So and we still she yeah, there's ways around it. Yeah, and I'm and again when they unveil the new part in January, they may have cleaned some of this some of this stuff up. Also, uh, if you have um, if you have some folks that are just anti-technology, they, they don't want to mess, there is an app you can download with this. Um, 
If they're just anti-tech, they don't mess with it, but they can still participate. You can go in, enter their data for them, and then print it off for them. And just hand it to them and say, here you go. So I've got some senior adults who are participating. They want nothing to do with a login. So we just update with them. They pray, and then when they get done praying, they'll come back and say, Pastor, I've prayed for all these people. I'm like, yes. You want to take the next step? Here's the next step. And, and we help them with that. Did you? Yeah, because you got the mailing address. So one of the things, one of the problems we've got, let me back up here, um, are challenges, is I don't want us to get locked down. How do I say this? Um, my people will be fine praying and praying and praying and praying and continuing to pray. And I appreciate their prayers. I really do. But just like any other ministry in the church, um, Jesus has got to come up face to face at some point. Okay, if we're going to be faithful to the gospel, it's got to come up. So moving our folks from here to here is where we are right now. Okay, so here's what we did. We, we said, okay, if I look at my congregation or I look at those 56 lights, I say, okay, guys, you need, to con- you need to connect with the homes that's been assigned to you. Well, if you've got 40 homes, that's a little bit overwhelming, right? How, do I, how am I going to connect with 40 homes? And if, if I don't give them an option, they're going to shut down on me. So I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Identify eight of your 40 that you sense are far from Christ or, or sense that they have no connection to a church whatsoever, or maybe you've already had that care. You've already went and had a little talk with them, and you find out completely, totally unchurched. Take those eight, and here's what we're going to do. We, the church, we bought a bunch of nice, cheap coffee mugs. <laughs> they look nice, but I think we paid like 89 cents a piece for them or something put a nice little pack of hot chocolates, some chocolate candies in there, and, some, and, a, and a nice little card. And we put it in a nice little bag, and we set them out one Sunday morning and told our lights, go pick those up. Get eight of them. If you want more, that's fine. At least eight. And then you take the next step and, and go knock on the door, take that card, write a Bible verse down, write your prayer down that you're praying for them. If they gave you a prayer request, write that prayer out, or write down a psalm or something that would be meaningful to that person. Some note, personalize it, go knock on the door, say, hey, happy fall. Here's your coffee cup. So simple. You know, I don't, maybe I'm the only one guilty of this, but I can sure complicate something. I can make this thing so complicated. I can have outline upon outline upon outline of stuff to do, and I'm finding out the simplest way is the best way. Just simple. And the culture we live in, People are very lonely. Social media has not fulfilled or any of the promises that it's made, basically. So we might have 1,100 friends on Facebook, but that means nothing when you're sitting in a dark, cold, empty house as a widow. And when you get a knock on the door, smiling face, somebody who actually genuinely cares for you and loves you, it's pretty amazing. So there are plenty of those people that need to be engaged. So... Prayer, care, share prayer. I love this quote. No man has any right to speak to men about God who has not first spoken to God about men. A.W. Tozer. Caring. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simple. Easy. Um, let's, let's don't institutionalize it. Let's um, just keep it simple and real, authentic, genuine. And then sharing, you shall be my witnesses. What does that look like? Well, 
one of the goals we've got for next year uh, is we're going to prayer walk every single street that's been adopted. But I'm not leading that. <laughs> Our lives are going to lead that. Uh, we're going to equip them to do it. And we're going to build those teams and, and we're going to put a schedule together where they're going to prayer walk. And that prayer walk is also going to help us to move from the prayer stage to the care stage. Because you know as well as I do, when you're out there and you're walking those streets, you're going to see those people out. And hopefully they're going to take that next step and engage in a conversation. Uh, service project. Um, gutters are falling off a widow's house. Um, you know, a fence is overgrown. A, um, you open the door, they open the door. It's amazing. It's amazing what you find on the other side of a door. It's amazing what you find. They open the door and they tell you that the floors are falling through in their house. The washing machine's been leaking for six months. Uh, the oil is leaking out of my car in the driveway and I don't know what to do about it. And that's not just, I'm not just talking about senior adults. I'm talking about 20-somethings. 20-somethings that, 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 this guy, a tire has been leaking down for six months. They don't know how to change the tire. Opportunity, right? Oh, sorry. Uh, and then sharing. Well, we use the three circles, just a nice, sim- simple way of presenting the gospel with a nice pen and a napkin. I also like using the story, um, creation, fall, uh, rescue, restoration, uh, personal testimony, Whatever person in your, in your church, someone comes to faith in Christ and they follow that up with baptism, they're, they're ready to go share. They're ready right then. Send them loose. Get them out there. Have them share with somebody their personal testimony. I was this, I met Jesus, now I'm this. The earlier we get that going, the better. They don't need seminary degree from SB, SEBTS, Southeastern. Just get them going. Model it for them. Take them out with you. Go out there. Take, take that new that new, new believer, and they don't know what all this is, and, and, and you go pick them up and you say, hey, uh, I've been praying for those 10 homes. I'm going to go out there and just introduce myself. You, you come with me. Right? Mission field. We have 5.8 million lost people in North Carolina. We have 4,070 churches. That's 2018 numbers. Out of those 4,070 churches, we have a resident membership of 552,785 people. Let's cut that in half. Let's, let's be uh, pessimistic and yet optimistic at the same time. <laughs> let's cut that number in half. If you take that number and cut it in half and you divide that into the 5.8 million people, that's 21 lost people per member. 21 lost people. So when you get assigned 20 to 40 homes, it's already greater than that. Okay, now you're going to go out there and you're going to have a homeless assigned to you and they're plugged into the Methodist church and they're believers. Great. Awesome. There's a way and I'll show you in just a minute. You can go in there and put a note on that person's name that others will be able to see so that when they go and look, say you got that crossover, that one that's the light in your neighborhood will be able to see that note. And go, oh, okay, they're already they're already following Jesus. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to let that house go. Take it off the list. All right, just a few other benefits here. Uh, we'll land the plane. Um, there's a training section. This is free. If you just do the free side of it, if you scroll down to the bottom after you log in, I think there's a tab up there that says training. There's videos, downloads, PDFs. I mean, tons of stuff uh, to help you take these steps of praying, prayer walking, uh, caring for someone. How do you do that? 
and of course sharing the gospel. Build outreach teams uh, for each segment of your community. The other thing about that big map that I was showing you, it also shows you where you don't have any lights, right? So it shows you potential mission field expansion where we're going to pray about that area, see if we have anybody in our church that's in that area, see if we can disciple them, get them connected, and then they become an outpost in that area, right? So it's not just where I can see the lights, I can see where there's little light from our church and engage, right? Uh, move from a church focus to a community focus. I am, now pastors, you got to be okay with this, okay? you got to be okay with ministry happening somewhere other than your church campus. Should we want that to happen? Yes, we should. Shake your head with this, even if you disagree. <laughs> you got to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, then you read the book of Acts. Uh, launch discipleship groups in each of those communities. That's a possibility, a real possibility. Okay. Now, there's two more levels of this thing that I haven't used. I don't know when or if I'll use them. I just didn't want too much information because sometimes too much information prevents you from accomplishing what you need to accomplish. So there's two more levels up. So the first level, the 180 bucks, $15 a month is one I've already discussed. This one is another step up. It's called New Movers. Now what this does is if you have a community that's very transient, people are moving in, moving out constantly. If somebody buys a house and is moving in in an area where you have a light, they automatically get an email with that name, contact information, everything, so that they can go over, say, hey, welcome to the community, I'm so-and-so. Okay? Not a bad benefit. I, there may be more to this second level, but that's, that's the main thing that I see. The third level up is this $780 a year. What it does is not only does it give you name uh, and address and the location of the house, but it gives you 18 different attributes, demographics. Are they married? Is it a single mom? What ethnicity is it? What age group is it? Are there kids in the home? So there's 18 different things that you can learn about that home before you ever knock on the door. If that's important, then take a little bit more money out of your pastor's travel budget. And then here is something interesting. At this level, you can upload your church membership file. So whoever your admin is that's keeping up with your membership, he or she has a maybe a church management software that they can export into Excel and it's got names, addresses, all that information. They can upload it to this platform, and then you can look at that map and see where every single person in your church, every member of your church lives in relation to the mission field that you're trying to reach. That could be a powerful tool. I could, I could see that, but again, the 180 a month does what I needed to do right now, and I think anything more than that might, might get us off track. So just kind of check that out. So where do we go from here? Well, uh, blesseveryhome.com, that's... Uh, where the website is for all of this. Another, another website you need to check out is Mission Insight. Now, <clears throat> your association, I'm pretty confident this is the same for every, of our, every one of our Baptist associations across the state. Your DOM has access to this website. If, if, if you do it on your own, you have to pay. But because you are a Southern Baptist in the North Carolina um, Convention, all of the DOMs have access to this, should have access. If they, if they don't, they need to request it. Then that gives you access as one of the churches. Now, what this does is you can go on this site, put in your church address, and you can get tons of demographic information. The same thing that you would be paying for with that third level, you can get it through Mission Insight. It just takes a little bit more work, okay? So you could take, for example, let's say, like on the map I've got, that that part of my county or city where I had a lot of people clustered together, 
I can go into Mission Insight and I can draw a circle around that entire area. I can even do a polygon. I can just zigzag it any way I want to. It'll tell me every house. It'll tell me the ethnicity. It'll tell me the income levels. It'll tell me if it's single-parent homes. It'll tell me the education level. All of that. And it's all through Mission Insight. And that's all available to you as being a Baptist in the North Carolina Convention. And I'm pretty confident your DOM can get that, get that for you if you need it. That's my email address. If I can help you, I'll help you. Just email me, whatever. Yep. If DOM can't do it, state convention staff can. Okay, there you go. And Josh Reed would be the next guy that uh, would be able to help you with that. Uh, he could definitely get you connected there as well. Um, also, that, that map that I showed of Region 3 that showed all of the percentages of each county of, of uh, non-evangelical, I would encourage you uh, to get that information. I've got it. I think it's on the website where you can download it under the lostness tab. But whatever your region is, go, go download that thing. Print them off. Put them in your Sunday school classes. Your folks need to know that not everybody around them is a Christian. You're going to be surprised. A lot of folks think that, well, if I go to church, everybody is. As if going to church equates to salvation, right? But not even that. I don't think our churches realize how serious a situation our state is in. Questions? Have you encountered or have they encountered situations where the neighbor does not really care that you know this much about them? Not yet, but I'm sure that'll happen. And I'm sure at some point, and some of the training materials, uh, there's one video that deals with that on there. And basically, yeah, you could have somebody say, um, take me off your list. Yeah, I, I want off your list. Exactly. And I think part of that is helping our people understand how to engage. In other words, don't knock on the door and say, I know you because I got your name off the Internet. That's not advisable. Yes, I'm stalking you, basically. So I'm the creep on the corner, if you want to know. Uh, I, think, I think the way we ease into that is um, needs to be using some wisdom there. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll have some folks will just say, take me off. And that's fine. We'll honor that. What is a good answer if they ask you how you got, the, how you got their name? I would say, well, if I get that question, I'm going to say that is an awesome question. So my church, my church um, is helping us to get connected with you, and we use a website. It's all public. All this is public information, right? This is all. If you own a deed to a house, that's all public information. So I would stress that. Hey, this is public information. There's a website to put all that together, and we've received that information for the sole purpose of being a blessing to you. And they may they may look at you and say you're nuts and slam the door in your face. Well, it is what it is. Right. Yep. That's that's the better approach. Let them give you your name. You already know where they live, obviously. So let them offer the name to you. And and you could say it this way: I've been praying for you because I've been praying for my whole community. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let me pull up. Uh, let me pull up our current um, our current uh, status here. So once you, once you get your church login set up, this is what it will look like when you go, go to that link. And, and here's the different levels I was telling you about. So if I go up here and log in. So this is my, this is my but let me, let, me get back to, uh, let me get back to the church first, then I'll show you mine. So, so here's our church currently right now. So uh, well, we've had some numbers go up a little bit. I see there. And then right here is something really interesting. 
So you might not be able to see this all the way at the back, but the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina has adopted 11,382 homes. Uh, a little over 5,400 have been prayed for, um, 401 cared for, 196 shared, 140 discipled. So if you look at the whole state of North Carolina beyond the convention, 78,000 adopted, 30,000 prayed for. Nationwide, 1.3 million homes adopted. Half a million homes have been prayed for. That's, that's amazing to me. It, it just is. If I go up here and I click on lights, this shows me all of my folks who are signed up. It gives me their email address so we can set up an email list, contact. We do most of our communication through Facebook now. That's just what they want. Uh, we also use Flocknote, which is an easy way to text. Um, so I click on mine right here. So I've been assigned 40 homes. If I click on that one, whoops, if I click on uh, the list right here, I click on that. Here's all of my people. And you see the colors have changed. So if I, let's say that I prayed for Susan. Susan lives uh, five, five houses down from me. If I click on this, and let's say I pray for her, I come in here and I click on that, and it changes the color on the map and here that I've prayed for. Okay? Oops. If I pray for her two times, three times, four times, you get the drift. Same thing with care, share, and disciple. It's all right there. I've got a guy. Where is he? Uh, let me go back to the map. I'll show you my map here. So this is where I live, right here. Uh, this house right here. This guy's an atheist. His name's Jamie. He and I met uh, during Hurricane Florence. Uh, we had a bunch of trees down on this main street to Simmons Drive and so next thing I know, I'm, I'm running a chainsaw on one end. I hear a chainsaw on the other end. It's Jamie. He's down there cutting trees. I'm up there cutting trees. We meet in the middle. We strike up a conversation. And uh, since then, we've had a few other conversations. And uh, he's, he's never stepped foot in a church in his life. He's ex-military, moved in from Michigan or somewhere. So just, just have the opportunity to know where all these people live. So when I take my dog for a walk, this is a like a mile loop right here. This is a loop right here. So I take my dog for a walk and I pray for these houses as I go and uh, make those connections when, they, when they're available. Okay? Um, see what else? Oh, right here. See all this over here? These are the other lights in my neighborhood. So that's my wife. She signed up too. I don't know why it's on there twice. Uh, and then Bobby Craig is one of our folks. And then Wendy Fields lives across the street on the other development. So it shows me who else in my area is also part of, of, this, of this process. All right, thank you guys for coming. Uh, can I pray for you before we go? Father, I, I am so grateful for each pastor, ministry leader, um, representative of churches from all over the place that obviously you're stirring their hearts towards uh, reaching their communities, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to be part of a convention that... Um, is passionate about the gospel going forth. And, and Father, not only that, but humble about it. Father, this, what we've been discussing, this, this is not about our churches individually. It's not about us making a name for ourselves. It's, it's not about our ego. Uh, but Father, we desperately want to see the lostness in our state be found. We, we want people to find the hope and peace that we've found. So, Father, help us to lead our churches to engage their street with the good news of the gospel by praying and meeting face-to-face and, and then bringing Jesus up. 
Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Father, for the privilege. It's not a burden. It's a great privilege. We thank you for it. It's in Christ's name. Amen.